that you are here on this uh, holiday weekend. I, uh, I don't really think of it much of a, as a holiday because uh, I usually take Mondays off because, of course, uh, Sunday is a very busy day for pastors, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Monday off, but I'm glad you guys get to have Monday off with me this week. That's awesome. Uh, we have been in a series for four weeks now about fear and uh, thoughts that paralyze us. Uh, you know, probably... Um, more of you have given me either notes or, or sent me emails or texts or whatever, uh, more about this series and probably any series we've ever preached here, uh, and I think it's probably because it hits all of us in some way, uh, manner, or form. It's just a part of a life that we are fearful about things, uh, and if we allow those fears to overtake us, uh, they will cripple us, and so uh, we are going to be talking today about thoughts that's par- thought thoughts that paralyze. But before we do, uh, I want to just tell you about, uh, I was thinking today, you know, there's a lot of things changing in our world, and they're changing fast, and, and I know that we kind of get a bad rap as, as conservative Christian people sometimes. We get a bad rap sometimes about, every, you know, everything's gloom and doom, and, and I think it's, a, a, as we talk today, we're going to talk about kind of the gloom and doom attitude, but it is important for us to stay uh, uh, on top of the situations in life. I don't know if you have heard or seen, uh, but now, uh, if you remember a few months ago, uh, the Supreme Court uh, allowed for uh, gay marriage for those who are homosexuals of, of, of gays and lesbians to be married. And the, the two arguments for that were, hey, love is love, and we should be happy about anybody loving anybody, and uh, also um, that uh, uh, two consenting adults can do what they choose and it shouldn't be any of our business. Well, I don't know if you've paid attention, but in uh, either, I can't remember if it's either Arizona or New Mexico, um, there's now a, a woman who is uh, uh, 35 years old who gave up her son when she was 16 to be adopted. He was adopted uh, when he turned 18. Uh, they began to find each other on Facebook. Uh, they began to date, and now they are interested in getting married, and they are actually uh, suing for the right to marry for the two same reasons. Love is love, and they are both consenting adults. Uh, folks, we got to pay attention to what's going on. we got to pay attention to what's going on. Uh, and so, um, uh, anyway, I, I want you to be aware of that. Keep your uh, one, one eye to the news. But don't let the thought of fear <laughs> paralyze your life. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was thinking about today, um, you know, there was things that I went through as a child in school and other places like that that, that just couldn't happen today. I remember one time, a teacher asked us, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 11, the teacher asked us to bring something to school that was a representation of our faith. Of course, that would never happen in today's world. And I remember there was a young man named Benjamin. He was a Jewish, and he brought a Star of David. He brought that and shared with us what the Star of David meant and all that kind of thing. There was a young lady named Marianne who was Catholic, and she, of course, brought a crucifix to share about her faith. Well, I, I didn't have any of those kind of things, but, but I was, you know, I had been raised Baptist, so of course I brought a casserole. I, I didn't know, you know. So um, that's what Baptist boys bring as a representation of their faith and their, their uh, uh, commitment to Christ, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but hey, I do want to tell you uh, to, to set aside the first Sunday in October uh, to make sure that you are going to be here on that Sunday I think it's the second, but whatever the first Sunday in October is, be sure and be here. We're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, and um, we're going to have one big service. We're not having two services that day. We're going to have one service at 10 o'clock, 
and we are gonna um, not going to do a, uh, a potluck thing. Uh, we are going to actually have a catered lunch here to just celebrate what God has done at Fellowship of Grace over the last 10 years. It's been an amazing ride, and God has done some really, really, really cool things in people's lives and in us together. And so we want to make sure that uh, you are aware of that and that you come and celebrate with us. And whether you've been here a week or a month or a year or all 10 years, uh, we want you to come and just be a part of that. But today we're going to finish uh, the series on fear. And we started out with the fear of rejection, then the fear of failure. Pastor Derek did a really tremendous job uh, on the uh, fear of intimacy last week. And uh, many of you have sent me notes this week also saying, that was pretty cool how you figured that out to make sure Derek preached on that week. You got to avoid it. And then today, uh, we're going to talk about the fear of losing control. Now listen, we're not talking about losing your temper, that kind of losing control of yourself. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is the fear that comes when we don't know what's going to happen. You ever hear these kind of phrases and kind of freak out a little bit? The future just scares the snot out of me. I'm so worried. What if they get cancer? I'm so scared. What if, what if something happens to my children? What if the economy collapses? What if I lose my job? What if our marriage doesn't work out? What if I get cancer? What if Clinton becomes president? What if Trump becomes president? I mean, these things kind of bring a little bit of fear into us, don't they? Listen, I want us to focus again on our key verse, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, uh, Pastor Derek, of course, did a wonderful job last week, and I'll bet you could tell which one of us has small children at home, couldn't you, right? Because he shared with you a way to kind of memorize the verse uh, that I would never think of, uh, because he has those little kids, you know, the, the, the hand motions, okay? And he said, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, like we're biting our fingernails, but of power and of love and of self-control. So let's all do that together. Whether you have small children or not, I'm sure you know a small child, so let's do it all together. Ready? Let's say it and do it together. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Now, the six of you that I saw not doing that, I want to come up on stage right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you see how quickly fear can, can come into you? You see how quickly that happens? Listen, did you feel the earthquake yesterday morning? Did it freak you out a little bit? Now, it happened at 7.02. Now, I think that's interesting. Now, this is not a joke. This is the absolute truth. I know sometimes I tell jokes as though they were true. This is the absolute truth. My alarm went off at 7 o'clock, and I got up. Now, uh, I was in the bathroom at 7.02, and I didn't notice a thing. I'm going to let you just figure that all out. I didn't notice a thing. But I know some people were really freaked out. I, I was into some conversations yesterday with people on Facebook uh, who wanted to debate the scariest natural disasters. I've got friends that live on the coast, and they say, oh, my goodness, we will take an earthquake or a, a, a tidal wave any day of the week, a hurricane any day of the week rather than a tornado because you guys don't know where they're going to come. They just drop down and take you and leave. We know it's going to hit us. I thought to myself, well, that, that doesn't seem very smart. I know I'm going to get hit. I'd rather have the chance I'm going to get hit. Than the, but anyway, we, we just talked about all of these scary natural disasters. Listen, we all have things that make us scared, don't we? We don't know the future. 
one small thing can trigger us into an irrational fear of speculation, can't it? The what-ifs in life can really cripple us sometimes. We get out of control very quickly. The Bible calls that having an anxious heart. There's a heaviness in your mind and your spirit that keep you preoccupied and probably make it very difficult to do what God wants you to do. Look what it says in Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. How do you know if you are living with an anxious heart? How do you know if maybe today you're sitting here and you have an anxious heart? Well, let's take an anxious heart assessment. In your notes, you have an anxious heart assessment tool. So take that out, even if you don't take notes usually. Take that out, and there's six statements, and I want you to circle them if they apply to you. Okay? The first one is this. Do you get rattled when things don't go as expected? So when you make plans and things don't work out the way you expected them to happen, do you get rattled? Circle that one. Do you often worry about things that are beyond your control? If you do, circle that one. Stop looking at your spouse. Just do your own work. (laughs) Do you lose sleep over pressing issues? Is it hard to turn off your mind? Do you lay awake at night or when you sit down to rest, is your mind just going constantly um, worried about things and, and you don't get rest and you have a hard time getting to sleep? Does the unknown intimidate you? What's going to happen tomorrow? Does it intimidate you? Or do you often imagine the worst case scenario? When the situation happens that you don't know what's going to happen, do you always gravitate towards, oh no, what if this is going to happen? What if this is going to happen? Now if you circled three or more of those as yes, I would say you have an anxious heart. You have an anxious heart. Now, let's just talk about the reality about control for a minute. Because there is a reality about it I want us to understand. Because most of us can really be a little bit of a control freak. I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. We want to know what the plan is, and then we want to make sure that everybody sticks to it, and the plan is followed through the way that we expected. We don't like it when things happen that we weren't expecting. Our minds race when we feel out of control, and we wonder, how can we get back in control? We don't like facing the future not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. i got to be honest with you, I don't even like riding in a car when someone else is driving. I know what I'm going to do. I have no idea what they're going to do. TV shows take advantage of us like with this, with these cliffhangers. Because they know we have this need to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? When people come to me for counseling, especially marital counseling or premarital counseling or relationship counseling of some kind, they always want to know, how can I change that other person? How can you make him stop yelling? How can you make her stop drinking? How can you make uh, him stop hitting? How can you make somebody do something? Now, this is universal rule number one. This isn't in your notes. This is a bonus. Okay? Universal rule number one, I quote it often. You can't control anybody on the planet but yourself and barely that. Right? 
So now for those of you who, who have trouble, who are, have anxious hearts, or who struggle with wanting to be in control, I'm going to now share with you a, a fact that is shocking and disturbing, and some of you will want to run towards the door screaming. Don't do that. Resist that. Here's the reality about control, folks. We've never been in control. We aren't in control now. And we will never be in control. Welcome to the human experience. Now, some of us just need to read that about every morning for a couple of months and just embrace the truth of that. Now, some of you are tuning me out right now because you want to control what I say and you don't like it. So you're going to stop listening. Don't do that. Let's spend the rest of the day talking about how do we deal with this fear? How do we deal with this fear of losing control and not being in control and, and things happening around us that, that aren't expected? How do we deal with this anxious heart? And how do we make it better? Well, the first thing we do, I think, is this. We must take our minds off of the speculation that produces fear. We've got to stop doing the what-ifs. The what-ifs. What if the economy goes south? What if I lose my job? What if we can't have children? What if we have eight children? I mean, there's just a lot of questions in the universe that what-if that scare us to death. But Jesus said this in Luke 21. But make up your mind... Not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. Now, I want you to look. This is specifically about the point of defending yourself. But I want you to just take careful uh, look at these words. Jesus says, make up your mind not to worry. What? As though somehow we could actually decide not to worry? Is it possible just to decide not to worry anymore? How is that possible? Well, folks, listen. Jesus wouldn't be saying, do this, if we couldn't do it. Jesus would not say, hey, uh, take this spoon and dig a hole to China, knowing we couldn't do it. That would be foolishness. But Jesus says, make up your mind Make a decision in your mind not to worry. And when do we not worry? Beforehand. We are all uh, uh, tempted. When the catastrophic thing happens, it's hard to, to not worry, to fall into that trap. So we have to decide today not to worry about tomorrow. I'm just not going to worry about tomorrow. Whatever comes, I'm going to face it. I'm probably going to live through it, and if I don't, that's okay too. I'm going to face tomorrow totally and completely okay with what happens. I'm not going to worry about it, and I'm going to decide today not to worry about tomorrow. I don't know, a lot of you probably in here aren't old enough to remember a great show back when we had three channels, A Wide World of Sports. Remember that show? That was a great show. Sometimes it was on Saturday, and then I think it moved to Sunday. Uh, but it was a great uh, show, and they had different sports stuff on every, every week. Do you remember the tagline of Wide World of Sports? 
the thrill of victory and the, the agony of defeat. Everybody over 40 knew that. Okay, good. Now, can you also remember the clip that went with it? Now, I can remember part of it. Part of it I can't. Part of it I can't. I can't possibly remember for the life of me. And I was going to look it up on YouTube, but I, I didn't want to kind of spoil it. I don't know what the thrill of victory is. They showed somebody winning something, but I can't remember it. But boy, do I remember the agony of defeat. That was a clip I will never forget. You're, and some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it was a clip of this guy who was ski jumping. And it's common, of course, if you've ever watched ski jumping, for people to go off the ramp and then to crash when they hit the ground. This poor guy crashed on the downhill. So he fell down about halfway down the hill, and then he continued to roll off the end of the jump and then down the hill. Oh, my goodness. It was a, it was a terrible disaster, but as a child, I laughed every week when I saw that guy do that. Now, why is it that we remember the bad, but we don't remember the good very much? Well, I think there's two reasons. One, because we're all just a little bit sick. Okay, that's just one of them. But there's another reason. We as human beings have a tendency to gravitate towards the negative and not the positive. In any situation, we have a tendency, if we don't check ourselves and do something intentionally, we have a tendency to gravitate towards the worst-case scenario instead of the best-case scenario. It's a very interesting exercise to say to somebody, hey, if... Um, if uh, you know, you get hit by a car today, what will be the result of that? Oh, my family will be in, you know, my family will be destitute, and this will happen. They go to all the negative things. They just never go to the really good things. That's just part of how we deal with life. It's part of our, our fallen nature. Now, today, we have extreme skiers, and these people are just a little half crazy, if you ask me. Uh, they ski down the side of a mountain full speed, uh, like the side of a mountain, not like the top of a mountain, you know, but the side of a mountain. It's almost 90 degrees. And they basically just jump off a cliff and hope their skis hit snow, and their main goal is to not hit a tree or a rock and die. That's the goal of this kind of skiing. Now, if you haven't ever seen extreme skiing, it's guys like this. Now, if you see in this picture, there's a little kind of puff of smoke there in the middle. That's a guy skiing down the side of that mountain. Half crazy, about three-quarters crazy, if you ask me, actually. Okay, that's what they do. Now, one of the living guys, one of the guys who actually has lived through this, and by the way, there's been many, many skiers that have died doing this. Uh, it's not uncommon for guys to, to die. One of the guys who has lived so far is a guy named Kim Rickleman. In an interview, they asked him, how is it that you don't run into the trees? I think he said something that is really profound. Not only profound about skiing, but profound about life. He said this, how do I not run into trees? I don't look at the trees. I look at the spaces in between the trees. Now think about that a minute. I think that's pretty interesting. He doesn't focus on the hazards. He focuses on the good space between the hazards. And that's where he lives life. That's where he aims that's where he skis. So what if we learned not to focus on the what-ifs, the bad what-ifs? 
I remember reading this statistic probably 20 years ago, and I remember the statistic uh, because it was the same as a person's temperature, so you can always remember it. But they did a, a, some kind of a study, and they said that 98.6% of the things in life that we worry about never happen. Which means if you were to write down in a journal all of the things you're afraid of, and you looked back on the last 200 things you worried about, only three would have taken place. We spend a lot of time worrying about things, folks, that never happen. And they're mostly around losing control of life, losing control of situations. Now, right here, I'm going to apologize to you. I think it's important as, you know, we pastors, we don't know everything uh, theologically. Uh, uh, we are growing and, and everything just like you are. And I need to apologize to you because I've said something uh, that's false in the past. I'm going to correct it today because I'm growing, I'm learning. I have told you before that worry never changes anything. That's not true. And I apologize for teaching that to you. Here is the truth about that. Worry never changes anything for the better. Now, it changes things. It can give you ulcers. It can give you heart problems. It can give you all kinds of health issues. It can hurt your fellowship with Christ. It can damage your relationship with other people. Oh, it can, it can change things, but just not for the good, always for the bad. In the NIV Bible, every single time in the New Testament, the word that, that, that every single time that the word worry appears, there are two words that appear before it. Every single time. And the two words are, do not. Do not worry. Every single time the New Testament talks about worry, it says simply, don't do it. Now, folks, again, why would God tell us this if we couldn't control ourselves? Why would he tell us this if this, was, if this was part of our humanness that we couldn't overcome? He wouldn't, because we can. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious or worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, as most of you know, a wonderful man in our church, Dave Ross, had a massive heart attack two weeks ago yesterday. He was in the hospital for a week in Springfield. He came home, had a gallbladder attack. He's, he's now got a tube in for that, and, and uh, his family actually was here the first service, and they got a text uh, during the first service, and they said they're sending him home today. So praise God for that. God has answered our prayers, and Dave is doing really well. Continue to pray for him. But Dave and I have had some good conversations in the last couple of weeks. When, when you think that death, death may be imminent, you talk about things. But as we talked, Dave was worried, in a sense, not worried, but concerned about uh, making sure his family was taken care of, if this goes south, blah, blah, blah. One of the things Dave said that, that has stuck with me, he said, before I became a Christian 10 years ago, my biggest worry, and by the way, he was a, a sheriff or a deputy sheriff for Platte County for many, many years, said my biggest worry 
was death. Biggest word. He said, and now I, I don't fear that at all. I have no fear of that at all. I can't control it. It's out of my hands. We're doing everything the doctors say we're, gonna, you know, we're doing. We're getting the best care. Maybe we'll live. Maybe I won't. Either way, God's going to take care of it, and I'm just not worried. Folks, worrying about being in control of every situation in life is a completely useless exercise. It steals your joy. It steals your peace. It steals your sense of calm, and it hurts your relationships. We, we have to stop focusing on the trees. I also want you to see that Satan's uh, tool of fear is meant to deter you from God's best. Remember the uh, musical The Wizard of Oz? Now, it's one of my very favorite musicals. I don't know if I've, I don't know how many times I've watched it. I've been in it a couple of times. Uh, um, I could, you know, after church, if you want to hear all of this, the songs with the voices of the original characters, I can help you with that. Uh, but the, there's something interesting about my favorite character, the one who didn't have a brain. Maybe I identify with him most. I don't know. But there's something interesting about scarecrows. Their only weapon is fear. Have you ever actually seen a scarecrow kill a crow? Have you ever seen one grab one by the neck and, and just give it to him? You've never seen that. You see, there's no real danger there. The crows are afraid of something that will never happen. Now, Satan has some, some powers. Lying is one of them. But folks, this fear, when God says he has not given us a spirit of fear, fear is uh, one of the biggies that Satan uses to steal away our joy, to steal away our life in Christ. Now see, crows aren't very smart, and so they see that, that scarecrow that never moves, and they get freaked out, and they won't go get close to it. But a smart crow would not be afraid of the scarecrow. In fact... He would go right to it, because guess what? That's probably where the farmer's best crop is. Have you ever thought of that? You can see this massive field of, of corn, and you don't see a scarecrow every 30 feet. You see one. And I'll bet if, it's smart, if a farmer's smart, he'll put it right where the best part of his crop is. Now think through that a minute. Here's what I found in life. Whenever fear enters my life and I allow the faith of God to break through the wall of fear on the other side of fear, I often find God's blessing. When I fear rejection, I don't, I don't want to be hurt, just like you, but the faith of God in me breaks through that wall of fear and on the other side of the wall of fear, I find the intimacy that God desires. I fear failure. When the fear of God in me penetrates the wall of fear, of failure, on the other side, I find the blessings of God's success. Now, as a leader of this church, I'm going to tell you this right now. Every time that I've made a gutsy leadership move, I was concerned about my fear. There's fear that creeps in there. But when faith breaks through that wall of fear, when I took a step of faith, on the other side of that fear... We've experienced the blessings of God. Look what Jeremiah 10, 5, and 6 says. It says, their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. 
They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. So when we take our minds off the speculation that produces fear, the the trees going down the mountain, and we don't experience this fear anymore, what do we replace it with? Christianity is a replacement process. We can't just stop doing evil with God's help. We have to replace it by doing good. And so the second thing we need to do is put your mind on the promises of faith. You want to experience peace and give up your fear of losing control? Look what Isaiah 26.3 says. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want to have a mind of perfect peace? You want to give up this fear of of life being out of control and the world being out of control and, and life circumstances being out of control? There's one way to do it, one way to do it, and that's to have our minds stayed on God. We can experience perfect peace about our unknown future when we stay focused on Him. If we stay focused on the space between the trees and don't get caught up in looking at the trees, we can stay focused on that. You see, we can't be consumed by worry and having faith that God is under control at the same time. They cannot coexist. They are in direct conflict with one another. You know, when Mandy was little, uh, before Julie and I even got together, uh, I would set her up on the refrigerator, and I would encourage her to jump into my arms, and I would catch her. Uh, Now, this was, you know, she was probably two or three. I mean, we didn't do this when she was 14 or anything like that, but, you know, when she was a child... We did that, and a lot of you did that, but we were kind of daredevils. You know, we, we kind of like to do things more daring than just jump off. Then we want to do it, had her do it with her eyes closed. So now close your eyes and just jump off the fridge. And she would do it. Then we graduated to stand up on the fridge and then jump off, and I'll catch you. Now, I, we didn't ever do it when I had my eyes closed because that would have been too dangerous, but... But it taught her something, folks. It taught her to trust in her father. That any time he was standing there and she wanted to jump off the refrigerator, I would catch her. I never dropped her a single time. It never was close. She never got scared. I was absolutely 100% faithful to catch her every single time. So she never had any fear about jumping off the fridge. She just did it because she had 100% faith. You see, faith and fear can't coexist. Great missionary and uh, Christian minister George Mueller says this. There's a quote from him. It says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. Folks, you can choose to either live in fear or in faith, but you can't do both. These these contrasts, look, faith brings peace, worry brings turmoil. 
Faith brings you closer to God. Worry draws you away from God. Faith changes things. Worry changes nothing, at least for the good. Look what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I want your community groups to talk about this verse this week. I want you guys to pick this apart and really, really just look at it closely. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at that wording carefully, folks. If we will stop being anxious about things, and don't be anxious about anything, but in the things that we're currently anxious about, start praying, being thankful to God, bringing our requests known to Him, bring our requests be made known to Him, what will happen? What is the result of that? God's peace, which is beyond the capacity to even understand, will do what? It'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus from being fearful. Folks, you can overcome these crippling fears that paralyze your lives, but you can only do it through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't forget 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Don't be paralyzed by your lack of control over your circumstances or how other people act or react or even the natural disasters that happen or even what happens in our political world, folks. Don't be paralyzed in fear by those things. Jump off the fridge. Jump off the fridge into the arms of Jesus. Trust him. Listen, I've jumped off the fridge a lot in my life. And guess what? He has never dropped me a single time. There has never been a time when I have relied on him, when I put my faith in him, where I have trusted him, and he wasn't there. Or he didn't show up. Or he turned his back on me. Or he didn't help me. Or he didn't bless me in some way. Now listen, he's done it a lot of ways I didn't expect. He's done it in a lot of ways I didn't know he would do or, or how he would do it. But folks, you can't jump off the fridge into the arms of Jesus and be disappointed. You can't because he's 100% faithful. You can take that to the bank, folks. He is 100% faithful. So I want to encourage you, as you face life, go back and listen to these sermons. Remember that a relationship with Jesus and drawing near to God and putting our faith and trust in Him will drive out all of the fears that will paralyze your life and rob you of joy and peace and relationships. And your faith in God will bring those things back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you bless our lives, even beyond our own understanding. Father, we're so thankful that even though life is full of many unknowns, 
It's full of many things that trouble our minds and our hearts. We can come to you, and we can become untroubled. Help us to jump off the fridge of life and into your arms and just be okay with trusting you. God, don't allow us to be crippled by the fears that paralyze our lives. Don't uh, help us not to allow Satan to steal those things away from us through fear. God, thank you for the spirit of power, the spirit of, of love, and the spirit of self-control that come through a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.